0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us perennial top 10, top 15 fighter, um, currently ranked number 12, I believe, uh, Mr. Brad Tavares. Welcome and thank you so much for coming on and for giving us your time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, just on that, like I was just going to say, like I was looking, like I've been really, really aware of you for for a long time, obviously, but you've been in the UFC now 10 years. You're only, what, 32, so you weren't in there when you were 21 yeah so you basically grew up in the ufc you grew up
1: pretty much product of the ufc i believe i was uh i want to say four and all before i got into the ultimate fighter and then had about four four maybe five fights via um, the ultimate fighter show and then uh every single one of my fights since has been in the ufc
0: what's that like what's it like going through you know the ups and the downs the good the bad all the stuff that that people get that people go through in amateur fighting you actually went through it in public so you didn't get to you, you like you said you only had a handful of fights out of yeah. the public eye and then all of your fights the the good the bad and we'll, we'll get through to that but what was that like yeah. for you
1: um you know what i i honestly don't have anything else to compare it to but when i do look at uh you know at the end of the day i'm grateful for where i am um my road is my road um i i see i see pros and cons though um i've been in the fight game a long time and i see other fighters going through the struggle you know like having a hard time getting fights um having to uh come up with their own travel accommodations um you know like coming out of pocket way more than i myself do but here i am in the ufc um on, on top of that you know like um like i said just the the pay you know like you cannot beat ufc's pay there's some other promotions out there bellator pfl that come close but i think at the end of the day everybody wants to be in the ufc um and the your first fight in the ufc versus your first fight in uh, like an lfa or you know something similar um, a regional show is looks completely different so you know i think you can as a fighter you can get by and survive in the ufc even starting out um whereas i feel like majority of if not all of these fighters starting out in a smaller promotions uh have to work have to work a job to uh support themselves so yeah there's uh like i said there's pros and cons you know um i see some other guys who who have all this experience? Got all of this experience outside of UFC, and when they came to the UFC, you know, like they're already pretty polished. They have to get maybe a few fights to get comfortable with the UFC itself. But other than that, you know, it's nothing new. They've been there before. So there's pros and cons to 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 both ways.
0: Um, what? Because you, you you received uh. As soon as when you were in the, UFC have you were fighting, you went on some really good runs. Like I- initially you were, what, what was that like watching people around you change? Because like, you know, watching people that, like, or, or did they change? Like there's people around you when you started to be, become more successful and get, you know, better results in your fights. Uh, and I'm you know, oh, sorry. Sorry. One, one other thing I was going to say. Not- and did that change when you lost fights?
1: Nah, you know what? I l- lucky for me. Uh, I- I'm pretty. I feel like I'm a pretty real dude. Um, I keep it real and, and I'm very grounded. You know, my friends, my family, um, my coaches, my teammates, like all the people close to me keep me grounded. Um, I'm not one of those people that is always out looking for new friends or, you know, trying to like not to say I'm unfriendly. I'm friendly, but, uh, the people that I hold close to me are there for a reason. And, uh, all of those people, have, you know, have been with me, um, from almost the beginning, you know, along the way, obviously you're going to create new relationships. Um, for instance, when I moved from Hawaii to Vegas, I created new relationships there, new friendships, um, uh, coach student type of relationships and that type of stuff. But, um, like all the guys around me have been there, you know, so to me, nothing changed. Um, I I know what you mean though. I've seen it with other people where, You know, everybody wants to be their friend when they're doing well. And then when they're not doing so well, they're not in the limelight, the spotlight, whatever it is. You know, like some of those people tend to to leave the scene. And, you know, and then you have this person sitting there wondering like, whoa, well, what were these people really to me? But uh, I've been pretty fortunate. My friends and family around me, you know, um, like I said, keep me grounded and they're solid.
0: But did you have people trying to become more, you know, closer to you when during your reigns of of success as you're uh, starting to win? Like, did you notice that? Did you notice changes with people in that?
1: Nah, not, not, not really. I, I feel like, you know, like there's always people that are always going to try and be, you know what? Maybe it's because of how I am. It takes longer for me to accept people into my inner circle. Um And I think that's just part of how I grew up. You know, Um one thing my dad always taught me from a young age is, you know, don't trust anybody. Um always, you know, keep one eye looking over your shoulder just in case, you know? So I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I'm really susceptible to that kind of stuff. Um, don't get me wrong. I've been burnt in the past, but, uh, as far as like, you know, I I don't really, I don't really notice anybody trying to like, you know, as I'm being more successful, trying to like latch on or anything like that. I didn't notice that.
0: Um, on that, how did, what precipitated the move from, um, Hawaii to Las Vegas, like what was the thing that made so, you so
1: back in 2007-2008? I want to say, um, I started training with my team in Hawaii, you know, that really helped mold me MMAD. And one of my coaches, mentors, brothers there, Brandon Wolf, uh, he had this plan set in motion. He's he, he fought in the UFC, actually. He, yeah, he I remember, him. There, yeah. yeah, yeah, so he. He was a little older though when he got he was like my age right now i think when he was getting into the ufc um you know just less knowledgeable hawaii was we've always been a a fighting culture warrior culture but as far as mma goes i feel like we were behind we're fighting but the things that i learned when i moved to vegas about simple things like cutting weight and management and sponsorships and that type of thing you know i felt like wow we were really behind in hawaii anyhow uh Brandon Wolf he he came up with this plan for the, the younger guys, which was at the time myself, uh the Hansen brothers, um, Matt Kamal, just all the guys that were in our like early twenties, just starting out in MMA. And the plan was two years, um, win everything we can on the regional circuit, you know, become whatever champion we can in Hawaii, X1, uh Icon, whatever it is do that and then in two years time when we have a few fights under our belt move to vegas at that time that this was 2007 2008 vegas was still like one of the meccas you know like everybody so at extreme couture at that time uh th- this was before vanderley opened his gym vanderley was there um uh akiyama was there matt brown i remember when i first got there and then you had all all the, the household the extreme couture household guys like martin Katman, jay huron uh, Tyson Griffin at the time, Gray Maynard, you know all all these steady guys. So um, he was friends with Mac Danzig, and uh, Mac, uh, you know, was like his gateway to Extreme Couture, and that's one of the gyms we just viewed as like one of the top gyms in the world. Um, so that was his plan, you know, like okay, let's do this, and then move to Vegas. Anyhow, two years almost to the date when I started training with him. A job opportunity. I used to work for Hawaiian Airlines back in Oahu. A job opportunity came up here to transfer. I put in for the, for the job. Um, they notified me. I got it. And two weeks later, I was here in Vegas, you know, and started, you know, chasing the UFC dream.
0: What exactly were you doing for the airline?
1: Um, I was a ramp agent. So loading the baggage, uh, loading it on and off the air, the aircraft, that type of stuff. But then when I came here to Vegas, the job position was customer service. So, if you can imagine me standing at a desk behind a computer, uh, oh, you're that Hello, guy, sir. I was that guy. I was that guy. <laughs> did you Did you enjoy that? Uh you know what? I did. I did. Because uh, you're a personable
0: it, guy. It's not like you're a, like an awful guy. Yeah, huh?
1: it, it it was fun. And and I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like in any line of work, you're gonna come across people who, you know, having a bad day or. I don't know, our assholes, but uh, I- I'm good at dealing with those type of people.
0: Hey, um, I was gonna, I was gonna start off with this, just uh, talking, just to kind of break the ice, but we, we kind of just started. I think I was just gonna ask you, did you watch the fight, the Kormir versus Mircic fight on the weekend?
1: Um, I did, but I was also playing with my daughter, so I caught bits and pieces. I wasn't able to like, fully sit there and watch it, you know, 100%. But uh, I did watch it.
0: What was your take on that? Like, what did you Um, think of the fight and why not?
1: I I thought I saw, obviously, um, I agreed with the decision. I thought Stipe won. Um, The only thing that surprised me is that I I like both of those guys, honestly. And I I felt like, you know, like, I, I really, I know those guys on a personal level and I really, really like both of them. Um, it was a bummer that that was DC's, you know, last fight. And you kind of wanted to see him go out, win it, and, and then and then just retire. You know, that, that just that MMA uh, story, you know, that perfect MMA story. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, he dealt with the eye poke and stuff. But uh, it's fighting, you know, and these type of things um, happen. Uh, I honestly hope that we get to see him back one day. You know, maybe he takes a year off and gets bored. But uh, he's still one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, but Stipe just went out there and proved that you know he's the goat right now. And uh, I'm excited to see him rematch one of my personal friends and training partners in Francis Ngannou. I think that would be an exciting fight.
0: What What is training like with Francis Ngannou?
1: Do you do you do you, do you like?
0: Ah, uh, I, I was watching him and keeps, Ray sparring. You know,
1: I, just, I, I enjoy it. Yes, I so I I enjoy. It. Um, I recently, so the physical therapist and myself, we had a little bit of a miscommunication. Uh, I asked her if I could box. She said, yeah, you can go back. But not with Francis. (laughs) And I ended up, yes, I ended up sparring with Francis, which, you know, Francis, you know, he and I have a really good relationship and and he knows, he realizes how much bigger he is than me. Um, So from outside looking in, yeah, maybe not the smartest thing, but I, I, I trust Francis, you know, and, if, it, if we're not wrestling and stuff, the likelihood of some freak injury happening is a lot less. But uh, anyway, that got back to the physical therapist, Heather. And she was like, what is this? I hear you're sparring. And with Francis. And I was like, well, I thought you said I could. She's like, no, I said you could box. I was like, that is boxing. She's like, no, that's sparring. No, you can't spar. But uh, yeah, she, she's super sweet and cool about it. But, you know, kind of scolded me there. But uh, I, I enjoy training with Francis, you know, I feel like because of how big and how explosive and strong and all of those things, you know, he's, he's hands down one of the baddest men on the planet. Um, because of all of that, it, it, it makes you, when you go at him, you have to stay on your toes. You know, he's super long, he's super fast, super athletic, strong and powerful. And even though he's toning it down, it's still, that's a big, big man hitting you, so you got to be sharp at all times. And I and I enjoy it.
0: How do you see if they run it back, him and um, Stipe going the second time around?
1: You know what? Uh, Stipe is a great fighter, but I honestly think that Francis Ngannou is going to be the next UFC heavyweight champion. Um, I think when they first fought, that was a very inexperienced Francis Ngannou. You know, he'd never been to championship rounds. I don't even think he'd been like, he'd been to like the third round, like once or twice or whatever crazy stat it was. But uh, since talking to him after that fight, you know, I think mentally he's matured and evolved a lot since then. Um, and then I think his skill level and his MMA skill level and his uh, just his IQ, his fight IQ has also evolved and matured along with it. So I think it's going to be a totally different fight. Um, and I think he walks out of there the new UFC heavyweight champion.
0: Because that's something that I think a lot of people take for granted as well. Um I think he's just a big, powerful slugger. But can you speak a little bit about his fight IQ? Because it's probably something that gets overlooked. Because, you know, when you look at him and when you see him fight, he's just a monster. But can you speak on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think when Francis first got to Vegas, he was just, you know, a a strong, brute freak of nature, Uh, an athletic phenom, if you will. And I think over the years of him being here and working with the right people, um, Dewey Cooper and Eric Nixon, you know, those guys. Uh, I think he's evolved. And on top of that, just as a fighter himself, you know, w- when you go through losses as a fighter, you really learn a lot. And I honestly think you learn more from losses than you do victories. And in Francis's case, I mean, that's that's obvious, right? His wins come a few seconds into round one. So he gets way more out of a loss. You know, he went to a decision in a, in a five-rounder with uh, Steepis, So, you know, he took a lot from that fight. Um, and just in, in talking to him, like when I talked to him about like uh, after that fight, the Derek Lewis fight, you know, like he's just evolved since then. So I think it'll be a completely different fight. You know, I think you will we'll see a more seasoned, relaxed um, Francis.
0: I have a question. This is nothing to do with fighting or anything. How old your daughter?
1: My daughter is two right now. She'll be three in November.
0: Okay, cool. The reason I ask is I have a ninth month old daughter and we're about to start. Is that saving- your first? Yes, my first. My first. Is that, yeah.
1: Congrats, yeah. man. Congrats. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Congratulations to you as well. Have you said just one that you have? Thank you.
1: Do you just have one? Yeah, kid? We have, right now we just have the one. Yep. Okay, cool. And she's a handful.
0: Well, this is the question because uh, I wanted to, um, I am asking any parent that's got a, the kid a little bit older. I have to yeah. ask. One of the things I want to know is, was she, she, because of COVID and everything, she's kind of been staying here with us. So she, you know, yep. plays with her cousins or something like that, but that's it. But she hasn't gone to daycare and that when you started sending her like to daycare or kindy or anything, or she's playing with a big group of friends, did she start getting sick all the time and then get you sick?
1: Uh, like right now or before you mean?
0: No, nah, like at, at, at the, at an age where, you know, when she first started mixing with a lot of kids, did she pick no, up so, holds in that?
1: No. So um, she was breastfed for the, the first, the completely in the first year she was on breast milk. Um, so, and, and you know, that's like supposed to be one of the best things, whatever. I'm a new parent. I don't know these things, but whatever. We'll take your word for it, doctors and Google. <laughs> um, the one thing I noticed is that while she was on the breast milk, she never got sick. And shortly after, like a year old, when we started transitioning to like, uh, food and formula and that type of stuff. She, that was when I noticed she got her first code. Um, but we've been pretty fortunate that, uh, I, you know what, honestly, I think one time we took her to this, uh, like a birthday party. She was a bit younger. She was around maybe not even a year old yet, but we let her crawl around in like the ball pit and stuff, which instantly we we're like, Oh, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's kind of nasty. And, uh, afterwards she ended up getting. Um, a mild case of, uh, it's something common hand, foot and and mouth. Yeah. 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 Yes. And then after that, we were a little bit scared. Like, okay, we're going to go easy on taking her to such like places that are so big and public and, and overcrowded like that. But no, we, we've been pretty fortunate. You know, um, she hasn't knock on wood. She hasn't gotten sick too much and hasn't gotten us sick or vice versa. 'Cause
0: that's the thing that scares me, hey eh? Everyone's always telling me, man, she's gonna get sick. She's gonna get you and your wife sick and you're not gonna be able to work, you're not gonna rah, 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 rah. And uh, Yeah,
1: no, we haven't dealt with anything crazy like that. Is anything you, crazy like that.
0: Is your wife uh from Vegas or is she Hawaiian
1: or She she's from Hawaii, so I'm from the big island, she's from Maui, but we actually met out here back in uh two thousand and nine when I first moved here. Is she Polynesian? Yeah. So she's born and raised uh, in Maui, and she came out here, she went to college, um, UH Hilo in on the Big Island, and she came out here just like, I think, like kind of how a lot of um, Hawaiians do, just looking for something new, and it's cheaper, change in scenery, um, and been here ever since. The reason I- think I... she moved No, no, go ahead, go
0: ahead. No, I was just going to say, the reason I asked that is, are you, are you you're Polynesian, your background?
1: Yes. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mutt, if you will. I'm like nine different ethnicities. And I even found out some that I didn't think I had. I just, I did one of those, uh, uh, what is it called? Ancestry.com. Yes. I am. Uh, I'm a lot of Asians. I found out I'm like 4%, uh, Mali African, um, some random ones. I didn't know. I think I had like a little bit of like. I don't know, like a few percent Scandinavian, like some weird white blood I didn't know. Yeah, I had. yeah. But and but in, like,
0: in in general, are you are you like you like is your mom or your dad? Are they Samoan or are they Hawaiian from like Hawaii or Tongan or? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, no. So my my family uh, is born and raised in, in in Hawaii, rooted there. My my mom's family, I should say. My real father, his family is from the Philippines and then migrated over. So my my father is mostly Filipino, some other stuff. And then my mom is mixed. My grandma and my grandpa are mixed, uh, Portuguese, um, bunch of Asian bloods. But yeah, my family's been in Hawaii for a long time and most of them are still there. And that mix
0: is very prevalent in Hawaii, isn't it? Like that, just like that.
1: You know, mixed. honestly, it's a, it's a sad thing is that the, is Hawaiian, the, the actual like Hawaiian race is like, is like a dying race, you know, because it's so mixed. Um, there's, there's not a lot of like, like in, uh, Samoa or Tonga, you still have all of these predominantly Samoan or Tongan people, you know, um, even in New Zealand, I feel like you can find, like Maori that are are like a hundred percent or in Fiji or wherever else in Polynesia. But in Hawaii, um, you know, it's, it's a mixed plate. There's not a lot of like full blooded Hawaiians left anymore.
0: Do you identify as Polynesian? Like wouldn't yourself? Uh, It,
1: it, it, kind of depends like who, who I'm talking to. So if, uh, if I'm talking to somebody that is like familiar with Hawaii, then we'll get straight into like, oh, yeah, like, oh, where are you from type of deal and tell them. And then if it's somebody that is like, I feel like people, when they say Polynesian, the first thing they think of is like Samoans, like people from the the U.S. mainland. Right. Um, from like. So not Hawaii or not like. Yeah. Alaska, yeah, yeah. Right. The, the U.S. mainland. They, they just see like uh and movies and stuff and they just think like oh you're polynesian like but they think that that's Samoan. you know they, they don't really fully grasp how big polynesia is and all the different uh ethnicities within it so it just kind of depends who i'm having the conversation with
0: okay um what was it like for you who were you at school like if we were at school together say year 10 year 11 what were we who are you which which guy were you at school
1: Um, growing up, you know, I was, uh, I felt like I was always a class clown, um, got into a lot of trouble, but at the same time, I was always a good student, you know? Um, and I think that was one thing that was always instilled in me, uh, from very young, you know, I had to be good at school. I could do whatever I wanted to. My mom would let me do whatever I wanted to, as long as I was getting good grades. Um, but yeah, I got it lickings we call that in hawaii like getting beat up from your parents you got lickings a lot you know uh just being rascal and uh if you will that's what it is in hawaiian you know like being rascal um but yeah and then as i grew up got older uh in high school i think i took it a little bit more serious because i knew like oh college is right around the corner but i also got into a lot of fights um never really you know never never started it but uh i was never one to back down from a fight and i think especially from where i'm from uh in hawaii on the big island in hilo i feel like fighting is like the cool thing you know like when you watch for like american culture when you watch tv shows and movies it's like oh okay uh being like the star football player is like the cool thing or you know like that type of thing um, in Hawaii, like, yeah, being an athlete is cool and all, but when I grew up, I felt like if you were like the, the best fighter that you were like the cool guy, everybody wanted to aspire to be the, the best fighter The best banger is what they call them. Were you but, a big uh, kid, Brad?
0: Were you a big guy in high
1: school? Um, so I was, so no, and I, I wasn't really, um, from, uh, eighth grade going into ninth grade. So transitioning from middle school to high school. I was uh, five three, leaving eighth grade, and then going over that summer, I sprouted, shot up about three inches, and I entered my freshman year at five six. But I, when I was younger, I was like fat. I was like five six, probably two hundred pounds. You know, I just so just you were a big
0: kid, like a big, heavy set. Oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, big boned, thick legs. You know that your your typical poly kid, I guess. But uh, yeah, and then I started growing. Um, and then by the time I left high school, as to the height I am now, actually, I probably shrank a little bit now. Um, but uh, after high school, I was all the way up to like 240 pounds. And after then, high uh, school? Yeah, after high school. So when I was about 17, 18 years old, I was 240 pounds. And then uh, I started training like seriously. We used to mess around you know, watch YouTube. Me and my best friend, Devin, used to spar every day, just beat (laughs) each other up. (laughs) Um, But then we started training. I started training more seriously because after I finished playing football, I came back to Hawaii. I was fat. I was 240 pounds. Luckily, you know, I had broad shoulders that in a t-shirt, I looked just bigger. But uh, yeah, I needed something to do to lose weight. I'm not a very... At the time, anyway, I wasn't very motivated by just going for a run or anything, so started training. Um, and like uh, three weeks to a month into training, the guy I was training with was like, "Hey, you want to fight?" I was like, "Sure, let's do it." So I had my first competition ever in my life, um, like that type of competition, martial arts. It was this thing in Hawaii called Got Skills, where it's like an introductory into MMA. So your first round is only a minute. You have 16 ounce gloves on, headgear. shin pads and it's just kickboxing after the first minute you go back to your corner they strip off your shin pads and then the second round is two minutes it's boxing with takedowns then after that round is done you go back to your corner you strip off all your gear and then it's a three minute just grappling round starting from the feet though and then so my first competition was at 200 pounds i had maybe an ab um (laughs) (laughs) i had ab And, uh, yeah, that was my introduction into it, about a month into, like, actually training in a garage, you know, uh, how a lot of Hawaii boys do it, Um, won that. And then uh, maybe, like, a month or two months after that, took my first MMA fight at uh, 185 pounds, and that's where I spent my entire career.
0: What level of football did you play? Like, how high of a level of football did you play?
1: Uh, I only went to junior college. um, In Hawaii or in the mainland? Uh, In the mainland, in San Diego, I went to Palomar Junior College. And you know what is funny? You remember uh, Joey Beltran? Yes. Fighter, heavyweight fighter? He and I were on the same football team, and we didn't know each other that well. You know, he was already there. I had just gotten there. Um, I I fizzled out after one semester, not even a full semester. Like, after football season was done, I was like, I'm over it. I'm going back home to Hawaii.
0: You missed Um, Hawaii, or you didn't like football?
1: uh i just i i just missed hawaii it was hard i had uh, i never been away from my home before you know like that i've never been like far away and uh you know how it is like hawaii culture polynesian culture you know family is tight knit i feel like when i talk to like people here in the mainland they're like oh yeah 18 years old my kid is out i can't wait for them to go to college this and that in Hawaii, the parents are different, you know, for the most part, they want them to stay with them forever. And because of how expensive Hawaii is, a lot of times they do, you know, they just hand the house down to the next generation, to the next generation. So I I got really homesick at the time, went right back to Hawaii, um, and then just started working, started going to community college. And then, yeah, took me like a year and then figured out, you know, I was good at fighting and i would try my hand at that and here i am now
0: when you went to vegas though you were still relatively young did you feel homesick did you feel
1: no so it was it was different then so when i was in high school the reason the only reason well so the school i'm from is a small little school on a big island you know um our coaches they're good coaches but they didn't like the coaches and the counseling staff didn't like really prepare us to go to the next level to the collegiate level. So in my head, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to you heard, you ever heard of the UH um, Hawaii Manoa? It's on Oahu. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. The, yeah, it's a big college. They have a football team. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Oahu. I'm gonna go walk on to this college and play football there. Cause I really love football. I wanted to play football. But oh, so at this stage you're still
0: pursuing football.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was 17 years old. I'm late. I'm I'm born in December. So when I graduated, I was 17. So I was only 17 at the time. Um, I got in touch with one of the coaches from UH Manoa and he was like, okay, like, what is your, uh, your combine times and scores and this and that? And I was like, combine? What's a combine? And he explained to me and he, and he, he was just real with me, you know? Uh, he was like, look, honestly, like, he's like, I sent him a tape too. I made like a highlight tape. I sent it to him. He's like, look, you, you look like you got skills, but I'm just going to be honest with you. There's X amount of students that are trying to do the exact same thing as you and there's only so much slots for walk-ons, this and that. So I, I just have to be real with you. I don't want you to get your hopes up. I don't want you to pay to come to this school. I know the school is not um, cheap, so I don't want you to do that. And then it doesn't work out. And then now you're in the hole, blah, 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 whatever. So then I had a, one of my best friends had gone to Palomar the year before me. He was a year older. And, uh, the coaches there kind of recruited me to come there. And it's a JC, though, so you don't get like, uh, you know, like, you don't get like no scholarships or anything like that. Um, so I went out there and, uh, I didn't want to be that far away from home. I didn't want to be in the mainland. I just wanted to play football. And then my love for football didn't really match up with how much I love m- being home. But, fast forward now, a couple years later, I I was here. I am excited to, you know, to pursue MMA. And I know that this is what I have to do. I'm older now. And, and, you know, I know that I need to make sacrifices. So I was excited to come to Vegas and uh, they call Las Vegas, the ninth Island. Um, The Hawaiian Island chain has eight islands. They call Vegas the ninth Island because there's so many locals here. There's so much local influence, food, culture, all of it. So short of actually being in hawaii you can find everything here
0: what position did you play in football and where, where is uh, that because I'm, I'm in australia we play different play right yeah, yeah. so uh,
1: american football um i played on the defense i played linebacker so you have your line your four down linemen and then usually you have three to four guys behind them who play who can play the run or the pass and those are linebackers so um, some of the most notable linebackers in the NFL are like Ray Lewis, Brian. Uh, yes, I don't yes, know if you're yes. familiar with yeah, those yeah. names.
0: Yeah. So you, yeah, so the- you have to hit people. That's your job.
1: Oh yeah. I love it. I've, I've always <laughs> loved physical, you know, collision contacts, that type of stuff. So fighting was perfect for me.
0: Hey, i I've just, you know, we we're talking before about Cormier, not, not necessarily Cormier himself, but when you said it, it kind of it went to my head, um, what do you think with a with a fight and what do you think for yourself yourself personally do you think you'll keep fighting you have an age that you that you say you know what when I get to this age it's done or do you think you'll be one of those guys that keeps fighting do you think like as my, I want to see call me a fight forever yeah. as well but um and he still looks good you know but I, yeah, I also yeah. don't know like do you want to walk away while you're still good do you want to keep fighting et etc et cetera. Uh.
1: So, yeah, that's definitely a conversation. When I was young, when I first started out, I always told myself, and this is when I was 19, 20 years old. I was like, oh, 35, I'm done. I'm 32 right now. I'm about to be 33 in a few months. 35 is right around the corner. And if it goes just as fast, if not faster than these last couple of years, I have, I'll be 35 tomorrow. You know what I mean? So as long as for me, as long as I'm not like taking damage, like how you've seen some guys and their career, Um, as long as I'm not taking that type of damage, as long as I'm still excited about fighting, which I am, you know, um, as long as I still, as long as I'm not like, uh, think that I know it all and that, like, I know that there's plenty of room for growth and I'm ready for that. And even if I have to make myself put myself in uncomfortable situations to, to find and get that growth, I'll do it. You know, um, when that feeling runs out of me. Regardless of the age, that might be, you know, I'm, I don't think it will be, but say that happened next year, I would hang it up then. Um, when I lose the passion for this, I, I, I don't want to do it because fighting is, is a very selfish sport. You know, it, it consumes a lot of your time, your effort, um, your, your emotion. Uh, it, it takes a lot. So when it ain't worth it to do it, then, then I'll be done with it.
0: What's your relationship with Sefer like with Ray?
1: Oh, uh, you know he's that guy is from day one. It, it was funny. So uh, you know Ray Ray is honestly he's my coach, but he's like a big brother to me. Really is. You know, he's like he's like a big brother always there for me. Um really really just feels like my big brother. That's our relationship. That's what it's like. But uh craziest thing is that so back in 2009, right before I moved here I was still on PlayStation 2. Uh, we had the K1 um, game on PlayStation 2. And me and my friends that used to play it would always be Ray Seffel. Ray Seffel was like our favorite, uh, f- sorry, favorite fighter in the game. He just had the best like combinations, the best punches. Um, we loved the way he fought and, you know, a fellow Polynesian. So, of course, we're going to support him. Uh, and me, I'm not the type to like fanboy or anything like that. So I, I went to, I was training at tap out at the time. It was a Saturday, 11 AM went to sparring and Ray Sefo shows up. And, um, Oh, I'm blanking right now. Bryce, you, you know who Bryce is? No, uh, no big, big Bryce. He he's from New Zealand as well. And he, he's came out here, trained at Ray. Anyway, uh, he, he came he, at the time. He was like 300 pounds he's huge. Freaking, uh, I think he's like Maori, so huge Maori kid. But anyway, I got to, to work with them and I was like, pretty like, you know, in all, like still not fanboying, but just like, wow, I was j- literally just playing with this guy on a video game. And here I am sparring with him. And so going into the sparring, I was like, okay, I better like, you know, tuck my chin and bite down hard because probably knocked me out. Um, Ray is like one of the most like controlled sparring partners I've ever had in my life, probably the most controlled, you know, um, the level of skill and power he possesses, is, but he can just tone it down to whatever level the person is at. And then the, the one thing right off the bat, he was always like eager to help. Like everything I did wrong, you know, he was eager to help and not in like a condescending way. Like, Hey, I'm Ray Seffo. You should do it this way. Just in a, like a, Hey bro, like, you know, like you're doing this, but this is why I'm hitting you. So just. He's always been like that. And I just smarted him earlier today and he's still helping me do stuff like that, you know. So um, just such a great guy, you know. Obviously, one of the, I feel like one of the reasons I am where I am today, one of the best people that I've had the opportunity and the pleasure to meet in my life. Um, but yeah, that's he's like my brother, you know. That's our relationship.
0: So he's someone that would be there and be able to say to you, like, you know, as time progresses, he'd be someone that you – because the problem is you don't – you as a fighter, you're going to be – and especially how you are, you are yep. a tough guy that's going to be – if you were going, oh, I think this is it for me, then you wouldn't be fighting. So yep. it's hard for you to hear it from someone else to say, hey, dude,
1: it's – Yeah. I, no, yeah, for, for sure. He, he'd definitely be like that. Ray is one person that can always keep it real, you know, and and I appreciate him for that. The other thing for me is that you're a father now, so I, I wouldn't want to, as my daughter gets older, you know, she's going to know if, if I get a cut in a fight or if she sees me get knocked out or some, anything like that. You know, I don't want to say that, but it's a reality of it. Um, I don't want to put my family through that. So if I was at the point, like, you know, there's, I don't want to name anybody specifically, but yeah, we've yeah. all seen it. There's been guys that as they got to the end of their career, that's the way it went. If I ever hit that to where I'm, I'm getting like that, I, I, you know, I'm just done. Like I have no, like I get it, you know, like everybody's body clock is different. Everybody's chin might be done at a different time. So I'm comfortable with being real and and I'd be ready for the next chapter in my life. And again, like I said, if I lost that fire in me, that feeling, I'd be done too.
0: I um just wanted to ask you as well about the fights, a couple of the fights that are coming up. Uh, Adesanya and Costa, what do you what do you think there? Obviously, you fought you Adesanya.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm actually that's one of the fights I'm very excited about. I feel like they've been popping out fights every week. That you know, there's not a lot of fights that I've been getting excited about. There, there's been a few like uh, Gaethje and and Ferguson and um, who did Dustin just fight? I was, uh hooker i was excited about that fight you know there's a few fights adesanya and casa honestly this is one of the fights not just because it's in my division but it's actually a fun fight and uh you know like in my personal opinion I-, I think izzy's gonna win um i haven't really decided how or or like haven't really played it out and thought about it as to how the fight's gonna go but if i had to bet money on it uh my money would go on him um, I, I, just think that, you know, he, he's, he's a good champion. You know, he's, uh, he's, he has a lot of experience. He's been there. Um, and he's shown it, you know, and especially in these last few fights, what he's, what he's, uh, been able to accomplish. Um, that being said, though, Paula Costa is a big, uh, athletic, strong dude. And, you know, I, I think we've seen at some points, is he not, I don't want to say struggle, but, just not do as well under the barrage, you know? And that's the type of fighter Costa is. But is he's a champion. He, he he thinks like it, trains like it. So I, I think he'll be ready for it. Um, And I think that he'll come out victorious. But it's one of those fights, like, I really don't know. You know, like, I'm not like, oh, for sure he's going to win or for sure this is how that fight is going to go. So I'm excited about it. Can't wait to watch it.
0: All right, well, another fight that um, I'm actually pretty pumped to watch as well is uh, Khabib and Gaethje, who you got Ooh, there. Yep. And who you got, how Exciting do you see it? not necessarily up. have to give me a prediction, but what do you think? What do you think oh. about the fight? Because predictions are whatever, you know? But I'm saying, like, what I, do you think?
1: That's one of them. Like, I really, like, I don't know. I don't think we've seen anybody really just wrestle Gaethje the way that Khabib can wrestle and that he does. Um, that being said, we haven't really seen somebody that can wrestle and box the way Gaethje can, uh, with the type of power he possesses. Um, and then you look at Gaethje at his last few fights and he's really evolved. It's funny because I watched Gaethje from, so obviously Ray is my coach. I, I watched all of his shows. I've gone to a lot of them, uh, when I was back at WSOF. So I've watched Gaethje come up, you know, like I've, I've actually like watched him grow, you know, fight to fight. I watched him a lot actually. And when he first would fight, I would be like, wow, there's no way like this type of style, like it's so fun to watch. But as he gets to the next level, there's no way that, uh, you know, he keeps being this successful and then he kept being that successful. And then I was like, okay, there's no way that, you know, like world series is one thing. There's good fighters there but the UFC is the, is the cream of the crop. So there's no way that, you know, he'll last doing it there came into the UFC did really well. And, and granted, he lost a few fights, close fights, you know, just got clipped. Um, but, uh, these last couple of fights, he's really evolved. And even when they talk to him and interview him, he says it, you know, like he knows that he has to evolve and, and he has. So I think we're seeing the best Justin Gaethje that we'll probably ever see. And, uh, it's two guys at the top of their game. So it's one of those things. I really, I keep going back and forth. I I don't know. I can't give you even a pick on this. It's one of those, I always say, if I had to bet money, I would not bet money on this fight.
0: You know, I feel the same way with that fight. Like there's been other Khabib fights, even though they're very, very good fighters. Don't get me wrong. But the way they match up with Khabib, I think, man, like that person has to like kind of catch Khabib to beat him. If not, Khabib's going to win. But but this fight, I, I feel a different, like I feel like it's hard to, I, I don't know if he can wrestle someone like Gagey for five rounds without, you know what I mean? with everything that's going to happen. Taking any damage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think he definitely will take uh, Gagey down. I think he'll even keep him down for for a period of time, if not a round. But there's always that, to get to that point, you have to get through his weapons, you know what I mean? And the way Gechi swings and hits and, you know, and he also has that wrestling background. So it's not just a striker versus a wrestler. It's not like Khabib versus Conor, you know, you have somebody in Justin Gechi who can strike, but can also wrestle who's been fighting MMA for a long time. So it's just one of those things. Like I, I know that I'll keep going back and forth. And even, you know, even up to the fight, I'm sure I won't have picked a winner in my mind. Yeah, I think that, that is definitely a fight I'm excited for.
0: The thing that throws me off with Gagey as well is like uh I've met him in real life. I've spoken to him and he's like a really, really nice guy.
1: But oh, yeah.
0: in the cage, he's like crazy. Like like yeah, there's like an X Factor crazy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're watching yeah. him fight, like you don't you you know and then he does a big backflip off the top of the cage. Yeah. Um I, I don't know, man. I um, this fight I, I could I wouldn't be able to pick it either. I'm actually really yeah. really keen. Like I can't wait for that fight. There's not a lot of them like that for me.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. And I, I feel the same way. And that's the cool thing about these types of fights, you know, to get you excited like that. You know, it, it feels good to be excited like that about a fight. And there's not there's not a lot of
0: um like you're actually genuinely pumped and drawn to the fight like it's not a lot of the trash talk or the a lot of the stuff which oh, you know, yeah, it can happen whatever of, yeah it's just like yeah. the fight you want to, everyone wants to see the actual fight and yeah, um
1: because it's two fighters at the top of their game and nobody has a clear cut way of how it's gonna go you know so that, that's that's the great thing about this i, I like it even better that there, there has to be no trash talking leading up no build up there's nobody, you know, being real gimmicky. It's just a real solid fight that both hardcore and casual MMA fans can be excited about.
0: That's one of those fights as well. I think anyone can watch that. Like you get, like you could get my mom and say, well, my mom doesn't like fighting, but you know what I mean? Like I will get my mom and say, mom, look at these two dudes. They're going to fight and it's high level yeah. and they're both going to bring it. And you can, like, you don't have to be a, an expert to watch it. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Khabib, when he's on top, he's beating the shit out of you. You know that that guy on top is winning. It's not like you look and go, "Well, I don't know who's winning that." You know, if it's yeah, two like jiu-jitsu yeah. guys, sometimes you don't, unless you know what's going on, you can't tell. So anyone can watch it. Um, on you, you got now you're out with an ACL injury. You were meant to fight yes. Antonio Carlos. Am I correct? Yeah. Um,
1: yes. Correct, you got any
0: right. links? Anything you you might be fighting? Anyone who you might be fighting? How's the ACL um rehab coming along? So.
1: Uh, ACL rehab is coming along great. Um, I'm very close, w- weeks close to maybe less. No, yeah. I would say like a week or two weeks. Um, they're going to clear me at the seven-month mark post-surgery to return fully to training. Um, and then they have this thing called a biodex. It scans both sides um, of your so left leg versus right leg and see the discrepancies there. So as long as i can get that discrepancy to only 10 i'm able to take back oh uh, sorry i'm able to take a fight i'll be clear to accept the fight um the last time i did it was maybe a month maybe a little over a month ago right around a month ago and i was at around 20 percent, so just 10 percent shy of where i need to be so I, I think i'm gonna do that testing um in a few weeks too to see where i am and I'll be able to take a fight and hopefully I'm able to fight, you know, w- get one in before the end of the year. You know, Is there anyone that, you want? Uh, nobody, uh, you know, I, I, at this point, like I don't have any bad blood with anybody. Um, I really don't care. I, I'm just excited to get back in there. Um, I would love to fight Shabazzian again. You know, I, I would love to fight any of the guys that I lost to again, honestly. Um, I know when I was injured after the Izzy fight, uh, Hermanson was calling me out and, you know, I'm not going to go and say anything one way or the other when I'm injured and can't accept the fight. Um, but that's a fight that I would love to get. He's, he's been on a roll too, you know, um, just had a huge victory over Kelvin. So, you know, there, there's some guys that I wouldn't mind fighting, but at the end of the day, nobody that I'm dead set on, I, I don't care. I'll fight whoever they want me to fight.
0: But you, you've had your own, this, I was talking to Ray Seffel about you when he, he was on the podcast. Like you've had your own runs in the UFC and you, it's just, yeah. we're just saying like, it's just one of those things. Like if you, you, you're doing really well, you get caught or you, you lose. Cause fuck that. Yeah. That's what happens. People act like it's a comic book. No, you, you lose yeah. eventually. Yeah. Um, but your last run was M- Hayes, Elias, Latez and Jotko. Like that, you had, and then you you lost to Israel and then Edmund. But, but that, that, those four guys that I just mentioned that you were, you know, on the run with, because that's, and then you lost a decision to who the champion is today. Um, and that, that, like, man, that's some, like, I don't know. I think you always kind of fly under the radar in that, in that regard. I don't think people really understand, you know, some of the guys that you've beaten.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I feel like, I feel like the guys, that have to potentially fight me. Know what's up, you know. Um, I, like you said, uh, like we talked about earlier. I've been here a long time. I've been around a long time. Um, I'm not a loudmouth, but w- when you watch me fight, you can see the skill level there. Um, I'm not one to go out and blab my mouth and you know do all of this talking and the real gimmicky thing everybody's trying to do now. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I've had I've went on some good runs. I think I was back in the day was. Like I was on like a five, six fight win streak, lost to Romero. um, And then went through like, I was, I think after Romero, I fought, I want to say I fought Boach. Yeah. And I was, I was beating the brakes off of Boach and just got caught. You know, it it sucked. I, he had nothing for me and I just got caught. That's, you know. And was people
0: don't understand Boach at the time was like a scary dude. Like that was a. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I fought Boach after that. I fought Marquardt, um, you know, dominated him. And then I fought Rob and got caught, you know, it's early on, you know, this is the fight game. It, it, it happens. Um, but after that, I took some time off, got everything together. And, uh, and again, too, like, that's why I don't ever really judge fighters being a fighter myself or even like uh, in other aspects of life, like any type of, you know, you can never really judge people because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, you don't, you don't know what these people are dealing with. You know, they might be dealing with loss of somebody or, or any type of personal crap. And you don't know. And especially for fighters, it takes a lot. You know, it's physically, mentally, emotionally. You have to be on the top of your game uh, when it comes to fighting. I, I think fighting is probably one of the hardest things, if not, like, the hardest thing to do in the world. And don't get me wrong. I love it. You know, I love it. I've been doing it for so long. Um, But, uh, yeah, so for the average person, like, of course, yeah, they don't know. They don't really you know, think about those type of things. But it is what it is. It's In anything, you're going to deal with people that one way or the other, you know, that have something good to say, have something bad to say. It's just life.
0: I have a question for you because, like, obviously I have a podcast and I like to talk about fights and I've talked about fights and I've been involved with fighters as well. Um, And one of the things that, like, sometimes I – I can't watch a fight, like, say, at the pub, like, at a at a bar or something. I cannot do it. I can't because people yeah. go start and I just think, fucking leave me alone, please. But um sometimes people go – because, you know, now you see the analysts, right? You see there's heaps right. of analysts and everything, and they always go, like, you know, he threw the left hook, and then what Brad did was come under, and if he had done this, like, a second earlier, and then people repeat it, you know? And right. I think, like, dude, do you understand, like, you're watching – that's cool the analyst does it, and he explains it to people so my mum understands it. Yeah. But do you understand, like, it, all the stuff that you said? Like, you don't even know if the guy walked in with a broken fucking foot. You don't know that. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, the fighter's not going to say anything because everyone's saying make an excuse. And the reality is it happened because it happened the way it happened, you know? Like, yeah. you go yeah, home and you exactly. look at it, your coaches, for sure your coaches are going to talk to you about it, but how hard is it now dealing with the fact that – there are so many analysts around. There are so many people that have an opinion. Like what's that like with you, for <laughs> you? Has anyone ever come to you and you know, said like, what you should have
1: done? Oh, I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. For you real? You should have like- did this. You should have did that. Why, why didn't you do get- Yes. People walking up to me off the street. Like, you know, like it, it hasn't, it hasn't happened in recent memory. Um, mostly now all the interactions are good, you know, but you do come across those people and I just kind of shake my head. It kinda, <laughs> I kind of chuckle about it later, you know, but I'm people, wait, wait, people
0: come up to you that, in the street and they interrupt whatever you're doing and tell you what you should have done.
1: That's happened. Okay. For a perfect example. So, so yes, yeah, so I got two, I got two examples for you. One referring back to that whole analyst thing. But, uh, so back in the day when I fought Phil Baroni, um, Maybe a few weeks before the fight, Now nah, maybe like six weeks before the fight, I broke my rib or fractured my rib. I did something to my rib. Um, I was huge. I was like 230 pounds before this happened. You know, and like, this was when I was younger. This is when I used to, okay, I'm done fighting. Now, everything that I couldn't have during fight camp, I'm going to indulge pizza, uh, fast food, whatever it is. Roberto's. That's like a fast food Mexican restaurant out there. I'm eating it all. And I'm going to, I overindulge because I couldn't have it. And I love to eat already. So even worse. Anyway, I've matured since then. But, uh, so I was 230 pounds. I hurt my ribs. I kind of started panicking. I got to fight Phil Baroni. Now I'm like 230 pounds. I can't really train good. Whatever. I hired a nutritionist. I, I had a shit ton of weight to cut. I cut it. But anyway in that fight because of the rib injury I wasn't able to get in like a good training camp so I was softer in that fight you know I was fatter it was it was visible I had a guy and like local people Hawaii local people they'll be straight with you he came walking up to me at Walmart and he was like "Oh bro hey good fight the last one but oh bruh, you was big huh" and I was <laughs> and he didn't know like, you. Oh, yeah and no, like he dead ass serious, you know, he didn't know me, but he, he knew who I was, but he didn't know me. He was like, Oh, you was big. And like, I knew what he was saying. Like you was fat. And he was like, well, I guess go bigger, go home. Right. And I was like, yeah, I guess and it's like one of those things where afterwards you, my friend was with me and he was just rolling his ass off. He thought it was the funniest thing ever told all my other friends. We laughed about it, you know, but it's just one of those things that you don't like I don't know. I don't, I don't get upset about stuff like people are going to be people. And you said and there was the another thing, one. Yeah. The an- yeah. The analyst thing. So I fought, uh, I believe it was Dongyi Yang. I fought Dongyi Yang, uh, way back in the day. Um, I suffered a fractured orbital in my fight. This was the first time this has happened to me. Um, and I had got, I got them, I had got them poked in my eye prior as well. So that's all I thought it was. Um, I didn't know like with fractured orbitals, you can get uh, blurred vision, that type of stuff. And it didn't help that I got poked in my eye either. But anyway, this is the first time in my career that I had to do with seeing two of one person, which is a very scary thing because it's hard to judge distance. It's hard to judge how far a punch is coming from and that type of stuff, how far this guy is, you know, that type of thing. But anyway, in the fight, the only way for my eye to like reset for a split second Was if I like flicked it. If I flicked it for that split second, I saw one person and then it slowly went back to two. So uh, in the fight, I kept touching it. And I remember the analysts commenting, and I don't remember who it was, maybe Kenny Florian or somebody kept saying, like, oh, you know, Brad is like really keeps touching his eye here, and he shouldn't touch his eye because he's giving it away that his eye is bothering him. And this is uh, ah ah. after a fight and i was thinking in my head like dude the whole reason like why i'm doing that is because that's only in that split second does my vision come normal right when i flick my eye and i can tell exactly how far this person is away from me you know imagine dealing with that in a fight like you gotta dodge dodge punches and you think a punch is this far away and you're out enough but realistically it's not you know like you're seeing the blurred part of it so it's just one of those things you know people are gonna say whatever
0: that's cool man I, I i really like the guy that came up to your walmart good on him <laughs> what, yeah yeah what a fucking champion go i'd love bigger. to see yeah go, bigger. To, <laughs> go home i'd love to see him in his everyday life um i was gonna ask you something else you you'd like spearfishing eh Ah, uh,
1: spearfishing yes yes love it do you do love spearfishing it. in vegas Yes, I do. Um, We go, there's a river out here, Colorado River. Um, It's technically in Arizona. So we drive out there, take the boat up to the dam and float our way down and shoot striped bass. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's not as fun as it is in Hawaii, but it's, you know, it's when you love something, you're going to do some version of it.
0: So there's good fish there too. Cause I was in oh, Hawaii yeah. for a little bit and yeah. then I was in Hawaii, but I was in Vegas as well. And somebody said to me, no, you can, you can go spearfishing here. And I didn't take my gear, you know, but, um, yeah. what's spearfishing yes. like in yeah. Hawaii?
1: Oh, spearfishing is like, where are you in Australia?
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm going like- to go spearfishing now. I'm in Australia. I'm going yeah, now in so the next, uh, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go. It,
1: it's, It's similar. It's similar. You know, like, uh, the, the reefs, I would say are similar. Um, I I think spear fishing in Australia is probably a lot scarier. Um, you guys got to deal with great whites, bull sharks, box jellyfish. We don't have that much predators in Hawaii. We have eels, um, some sharks, you know, that type of stuff. But, uh, you don't have great whites. yeah, Yeah. Um, they've shown up in Hawaii, but I've, knock on wood, I've never, ever come across a great, like, l- luckily, luckily I've seen videos of people coming across huge 14 foot tiger sharks, um, Galapagos, you know, and aggressive sharks. There's shark bites in Hawaii. Yeah. It happens. Divers get bit. Um, but luckily for me, knock on wood, I haven't come across any of those massive sharks that really just scare you. The sharks I've all come across have been like, you know, like six, seven foot. Um, you, you're about the same size as them. You look really big with your fins and your guns. So they don't really mess with you. They're just trying to eat.
0: Do they take the fish off you? Have they ever taken the fish off you?
1: Yeah, it, it's happened. We've swam in like we do. I do a lot of um, shore dives. And so we swim out to the reef. We dive, swim back in and I've, I've got them back to the shore and we call it like the stringer. We call it a kui. And the cooey has just had the heads of fish on it. You know, like the body has been bitten off. And when you're swimming back in, you're dealing with the the whitewash.
0: Yeah, in the pool. So if something, yeah.
1: yeah. So if, somebody, if something tugs on your buoy, you're just like, ah, okay. That's just a wave. But then you get back in and then you only have the heads of fish on your cooey. And you're like, oh, okay, that was a shark tugging my cooey, my float.
0: and uh so so in in vegas is in when you're in the river is there any are there any predators oh did we freeze yeah you you froze am i freezing too i think we froze can you hear me i can hear you can you hear me hello hello can you hear me hello what happened there
1: there we go you can hear me now can you hear me now
0: yeah i can hear you can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, I can
1: hear you now. If it, it froze for a little bit. Yes, I can.
0: Okay, awesome. Now, I was just going to say, in, when you're in Vegas, in, in the Colorado River there, in Arizona, is are there predators? Anything in the water?
1: No, no. There's, there's nothing but extremely cold water. The water temperature is like, uh, I don't know what it is, Celsius, but it's like, I would say like mid to low 50s Fahrenheit.
0: It just sounds fucking so cold. It's pretty cold. Here it's, it's cold if it's, it's if the sun's not out, you know what I mean? So that sounds cold to me, whatever, whatever that is.
1: Yeah. So, so in Hawaii, the, the water temperature is like in the seventies in Fahrenheit. So 20 degree difference, you know, here in Vegas in fresh freezing cold water, but no predators, nothing, nothing that you have to worry about other than boaters, other boaters, there's boats around and. You know, not a lot of people diving, so they're not used to looking for… The buoy in that? uh, Yes, buoys and flags and stuff. In Hawaii, I mean, granted, people have gotten run over in Hawaii, but people know, like, okay, if we're close to shore, there might be divers in the water. They know the spots people dive, so they look out for them more.
0: Okay. And is it relatively easy to catch in the river, or is it harder compared to the ocean? I've never Uh, gone in a river.
1: I think it's. I think it's much easier. I noticed over the last few years the fish have gotten a little bit smarter. I think because we're out there so much, there's more people doing it. Obviously, they're evolving. Um, When I first started spearfishing, oh, we disconnected again. Did we?
0: Because I can hear hear me. I can hear you clearly. You can't hear me.
1: Hello. I lost you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Brad.
0: I can hear him, he can't he he can't hear me. Hello.
1: Okay, I'm back. Yeah, can you hear me now?
0: I can hear you, but you can't hear me, eh?
1: Yeah. Now I can hear you. It keeps oh. freezing. I don't know what's going on.
0: I don't know, there's a shit internet probably. I don't know. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, sorry, you were just gonna say.
1: Yeah, so I I think um I, I think like uh, when I first started diving out here a couple years back. I feel like the fish were used to seeing us, so they're a little bit more curious. I think now they're getting a little bit more keen to what we're doing. <laughs> they're evolving. They're being smarter, so they're a little harder to shoot now. But um, I think I think it's harder to dive in Hawaii. Um, you have to work harder for much smaller fish. But uh, I love diving in Hawaii. I miss it. You know. I think that's besides my family that's back in Hawaii. I think that's what I miss the most is
0: the ocean. Yeah. that That's my, my wife and I, we were talking about moving to the U S and a couple, we had an opportunity to, and it was to move to Vegas and we would just yep. miss the ocean. Like, uh, I don't know, like you, when you're here, like, cause we live, I live hundred meters from the ocean, which is what? 300 okay. feet. Yeah. And yeah,
1: so you go walk there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to literally leave here and go yep. into the ocean after this to see if I can catch something. But, what um, time
1: is it there now?
0: It's almost one PM. Okay. So it's perfect. You know what I mean? Like I just like it's not a perfect time to go. But fuck, it's a better time than not going. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, no, I'll just miss the water. But I can't imagine being from Hawaii because that's a beautiful place and just how much you would miss home. You know? Do you think you'll move back to Hawaii later?
1: Um, you know, it, that was always the plan that I was going to move back home, but just like, uh, now that I have a family to think about, um, it's up in the air now because living here in Vegas, I can give my family a better life, you know, like, um, I'm granted, like, you know, I won't always be fighting, but, um, the life I live now affords me a lot of time with my daughter. You know, I, I, I can spend so much time with her. Um, uh, my schedule is super open, um, I get a lot of quality time with her, whereas in Hawaii, my mom and my dad, you know, your, your typical nine to five longer than that. So there wasn't a lot of like, don't get me wrong. I love my life. We grew up good. I spent a lot of time with my family, but obviously when I look at it, I realize like, okay, they had to work a lot more and I'm sure they wanted to spend more time with us, um, with me or whatever, you know, doing whatever, doing nothing maybe, but that's just not the reality of it. Hawaii is expensive. Um, so I feel like there's more opportunities there so I, I'm not sure I've, I've also, if I can give my family a better life better opportunities then you know I think that's what I'll do so you know I, I just I'm not sure right now when, when the time comes I'll figure it out
0: awesome Brad thank you so much for coming on man
1: Is yeah, thank you for having me
0: where, where can people reach you what's what's some of the projects you're working on and
1: um Uh, no, no, no projects. Um, if, if you guys ever want to, you know, follow me, support, I'm on Instagram, uh, at Brad Tavares 808. I'm on Twitter at Brad Tavares. Um, that's about it. You know, I'm not like, I, I try to like talk to and reply to everybody, but I'm one of those guys. I'm not that great with social media. You know, I'm not always on it. There's other things I'd rather be doing. So, uh, but I do try to, you know, everybody that, messages and reaches out and comments and stuff i try to get back to everybody all in due time
0: all right awesome okay Brad, thank you so much man and thank you for for the time yeah best of luck with the acl we will all be cheering for you here for sure so thank
1: you well good luck good luck when you go uh, diving out there be safe um and if you catch anything, I would love to see your catch. Send me uh, DM me that up uh, the pics. I would love to see what kind of fish you guys are catching.
0: I will, but I more than likely won't catch anything today because I'm not the best. <laughs> but I, I, I to be positive. Now you know you know. I okay, guess sometimes with uh, he used to fight in the UFC. He fought a Hawaiian kid. Uh, he fought Lewis Smolka, Uh But uh, r- uh, a friend of mine fought Lewis Smolka. Oh. His name's Richie Vass. He's a big wave surfer and he's yeah,
1: i've heard I've, I've heard of i've heard the name i've heard the name he goes diving
0: he goes diving with me but he's like nice i'm pretty sure he's missing fucking something in his dna when i go with him he catches good stuff so then i'll for sure will put you up um i'll dm you but today if i catch something it won't be worth dming anyone man i'm not going to embarrass you <laughs> or embarrass me
1: ah, I, I just want to see what kind of fish you guys are catching if it's similar you know like what what is it all
0: right, no, no, but usually it's brim, yes. more wongs, that it, kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it, it's not even like so in Hawaii. One of some of my favorite fish to shoot are only the size of my palm, uh, maybe even smaller. Uh, and I shoot it with a three prong uh, uh pole spear, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's and not that's an option to best- me,
0: Brad. That's a, that would be a good day for me. I've seen <laughs> some of the fish you've caught, you catch big fish, man. You catch sometimes yeah no nah, if i if if i catch a fish the size of my hand that's a good day that's <laughs> that's a good day
1: yeah. nah. as long as it tastes good it's a good day yes sir
0: 100 percent. no worries man thank you so much Brad. all right man look Take after care. yourself. thanks for having me thanks a lot all Bye, right.
1: bye